not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey guys, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am joined by two of my fellow Mobile Suit Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike, and this is not a war, it's Gumpla Battle. <laughs> Hey, how you guys doing? This is Tony, and you can never keep a good mile down. <laughs> so, we are talking build fighters, obviously, tonight. We're talking some Gundam build fighters. We are on episode 18. We're, we're coming near the home stretch. We're, we're almost there, and we're talking about the episode Bloodhounds. We open in the middle of a match with Luang Delara and his Aborigine, that we've seen in the past. He's the guy who was in the baseball episode with Reiji and Sai. And he is in the middle of a fight. And who should he be fighting against but none other than the Renato brothers, those evil, bad Renato brothers. So what ultimately ends up happening at the conclusion of the match is poor Luang gets totally Pwned 90s style. Like, he, he, they, in the GM, it's like it double fists the gun and just blows away all his limbs and everything and just shoots him into little pieces. You, you guys got anything on, on the demise of poor Luang Delara? Like, were you guys sad for him? Do you care? Are you kind of indifferent? I, I thought it was good as far as, you know, he was a big name who wasn't a major character. It's like, oh, you know, okay. she's not real, you know. But, like, he was, yeah. he was, you know, someone that everybody talked about like you know he's a veteran fighter he knows what he's doing and all that and also it was kind of funny the fact that he got taken out not by the renato brothers because they've been established as being you know pretty good but the gm sniper is not the toughest g not the toughest mobile suit in the world you know <laughs> yeah that is true that is true that, that's kind of why i brought up the whole 90s angle to it because it did it did smack of like 
what, my Omega Beams do not work, you know, and then Doomsday, you know, rapes Darkseid, or, you know, wh- whatever kind of crazy 90s thing happened, you know, where it's like, what, I'm, I'm okay, I'm a really bad son of a bitch, and then all of a sudden it's like, you're not as bad as me, you know, like, so, it's like that kind of stuff. Yeah. What, what, what about you, you Mike? You, you got anything on that, or? I mean, he was a nice guy, but I never really thought, like, seriously he was going to be a huge, like, rival for them or anything. Like, they fought them a couple, like, they they fought him a couple times, but uh, I was like, well, he's going to have to be eliminated by someone, so. Yeah, somebody's going to. Yeah. I like how much he was a guy who got invited to a funeral he didn't want to be at. Oh, he was a nice guy. Um great with children or whatever i'm not gonna disgrace his memory with lies like i didn't say that he was the best guy ever or you know (laughs) he was just kind of middle of the pack you know yeah i mean you know it's i I see what you're saying like he's not i mean I, i guess it's it's not so much that i didn't expect him to get taken out but it's sort of the way he got taken out you know it's like that thing where you i don't know i kind of felt bad for him it's like it's like you know when somebody gets like prison raped in oz you're like ooh like that wasn't that wasn't a nice way to go out you know like it's he like does, he that does w- have that that face too of like just getting prison raped after it happens like oh you know he's just kind of like oh oh what did you do to my suit it's like i raped you gunpla <laughs> serious <laughs> business you know and you're just like wow you know ricardo fellini and mr rawl are basically discussing luang delara's lost the renato brothers and you know mr rawl's kind of like giving us the idea like they were kind of holding back, you know, that they were, they were sort of putting their, their, you know, I guess you'd call it their bloodhound nature, you know, on hold until this moment or whatever to sort of, you know, to me, it kind of refers to like the, they're the title characters of this, of this show, you know, they're the bloodhounds or whatever, you know, and, you know, Fellini doesn't seem really too concerned about it. He's kind of like, yeah, Kawaguchi's got this. Uh, wake me up later. You know, like, he's kind of like, forget about it. Like, I'm still kind of drunk, this. you know? <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of like, uh, yeah, they, they got this. Like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about it, you know? Like, so, that's, that's kind of the vibe I got from Fellini. Like, he's not, he's not super concerned about this or anything like that. We do cut to the Renato brothers, and basically they're seeing Ricardo Fellini's predictions all over the social media feeds, you know, on the Twitters, which is canon. You know, all the people on the Gunpla Twitters are like, Majin Kawaguchi's going to own these guys. But they, they seem to be in this kind of, you know, we're going we're gonna to fuck him up. Like, we're, we're totally going to own him, and it's going to surprise all these people on the social media and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like, it's like they know that they're considered, like, the underdogs, but they, like, like true good villains, they have a master plan, you know? Yeah, <laughs> My, yeah. I think I actually paused and looked at all those comments, like, on the message board, and I think oh, my, okay. my, my favorite one was it said, is the camper amazing because Yuki is a magin? Like, like, <laughs> 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 It was like, ah, that's a funny pun, I guess. But uh, uh, and the re- real life horrible like uh, comedy is uh, <laughs> apparently good to do on a TV show too. Nice. It's all over, man. It's all oh. over. Oh. So we we actually get to 
get back in touch with Tony's boy, Mal. He obviously, he's made a quick turnaround because he's announcing to Cy and Reiji that he's A-OK and he's going to be sticking around to the end of the tournament. And he even offers them help if they should need help in the future. So I'm imagining that's a setup for something that, you know, maybe he'll he'll be able to help them, you know, maybe when when their suit gets wrecked at some point in some, some upcoming match or something like that. And Mao is happy as a pig in shit because he's meeting with his girl, Misaki, at the Hobby Center. Really happy. He's like, it's a date. It's a date. It's a date. <laughs> it's like, it's a date. It's a date. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 definitely excited about that. And then what what I noted here in my notes is since Sai is now totally whipped beyond repair, who's the first person he tells? Yeah, China. <laughs> See, you get into trouble like that. But I guess I guess he's trying to do it as like broaching like an official date asking thing because he's like, well, you know, Mao's going to the hobby shop with Misaki, so I was thinking, and he gets interrupted. And it turns out that Isla is there while he's asking China Kosaka about this. And they're in front of this restaurant and everything. And he, he's kind of about to ask her out on a date. And then Isla's basically freaking out over all the awesome foods that are being displayed at this restaurant. And I was just going to ask you guys, did you happen to notice what the name of the restaurant was that they were standing in front of? No, oh, I, I did, but I forgot. Uh, what about you, Mike? No, I, I think I missed it. We're finished! Calm down, crybaby. Run that fire! Engines! To maximum! We've got to break through! The Archangel! <laughs> Damn you! Oh, okay. So the restaurant's name was the Archangel, which is yeah. basically a reference to the... <laughs> the ship from Mobile Suit Gundam Seed. So that's kind of, I guess that's a nod for, for all the Seed fanboys, you know? That, yeah, that yeah I just about Seed, but when I saw Archangel, I was like, that's something. That's something. Yeah, I, I yeah, so I that was a little nod to, to Gundam Seed. While Isla is basically losing her shit over all this Japanese cuisine, Sai and Kosaka recognize her as the girl that Reiji had been hanging out with, and they try to... You know, introduce themselves. They say, "Hey, we we kind of know you," and you know, they they try to introduce themselves officially and everything. And even Reiji shows up, and you know, everybody's basically sort of making introductions. And it's kind of funny because this whole point, you know, they they really haven't exchanged names yet. You know that that thing that I was talking about in all these other episodes about convenient ignorance. Like, what's what's more conveniently ignorant than not knowing someone's name? And that's that's kind of where we are at this point. And they finally, you know, they're they're like, well, what's your name? And she's about to reveal her name, but that would kind of, you know, ruin, I guess, all the dramatic tension, I suppose. Yeah, they may not so, recognize her, but they know Isla is a yeah, person in the tournament, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they would at least know that much. So, and, and at this point, she decides she's not ready to sort of reveal that to them. So she decides that she's going to tell them her name is Ina. And, of course, Sai geeks out because Ina is the name of one of the lead Xeon heroines in the MS-8 team. So he's kind of like, you've got the same name! <laughs> yeah, and, and, and uh, the funny thing is, like, she keeps doing this shit where she betrays, like, her true identity. And Reiji is not stupid. He, he's like, 
fuck's up with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's kind of funny because I was thinking, like, even as this, this kind of precedes this scene where they're both kind of, you know, they're, they're almost, they're almost having a couple's date, you know, it's like, it's like China and Sai and then Reiji and Isla, and, and then, you know, they, they're, they're kind of observing how the other couples act, you know, like, because this is the first time that they kind of see uh, Reiji and Isla interacting up close and everything, and it, it, it's almost like they're, they're an old married couple, the way they're bickering, or, or kind of like, you know, some scene out of, like, Cheers with Sam and Diane, or, or Moonlighting, you know, with, with yeah. Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard, because they're, they're, they're basically fighting over nothing, but they're very passionate about, I guess, just fighting with one another, almost. You know. Yeah, but when when they're, like, not actually interacting with each other, they do a lot of things similarly, like how they eat and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they do mention that, where, where they're they're kind of like, hey, it looks like they're, they, 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 they're alike in many ways, you know, so that's probably why they sort of connect with one another, whether they realize it or not. We also cut to Majin Kawaguchi and Alan Adams, and they're actually reviewing the video of Luang Delara's butt rape by the Renato <laughs> brothers, you know, they're, they're basically looking over the video, trying to discern, like, how did this happen, and, you know, what what can they do to prepare, and, you know, this, this episode, I'm just going to plant this in your minds now, but this episode is the ultimate in prep time, you know, this, this is a prep time episode, it is going to be a chess match episode, and, and this has a lot to do with it, and, you know, Major Kawaguchi or President Yuki, you know, he's looking forward to not having to hold back, and he he basically says he he you know he he thinks he's fighting an opponent who is at, you know actually going to be somewhat of a challenge, you know, and we also get to cut to the Renato brothers, and they're also discussing we're not holding back in this match. And then they make a, a kind of offhand reference to the second Majin, like that, you know, the current Majin is just not quite as good as the second Majin. And they also kind of declare that they are at war. So, yeah. and, and it's kind of, kind of a, you know, a passing comment, but we don't know too much about kind of what, what the story behind that Seems is. There could be some history there, yeah. Yeah, they, they obviously feel kind of, slighted in some way, maybe, maybe especially by the Kawaguchis. I don't, you know, yeah, I, I don't know that it was ultimately very clear to me. Yeah, it's really funny. I, I know we mentioned this before, but as the series goes on, it's just because, you know, Yuki wears that fucking visor. It's like, it's so obvious he's supposed to be like the, the char, char of this, you know, series, you know, he's like, I wear a mask and I'm the best there is, you know, <laughs> it's like, I even have a Z on, like, type suit, so it's just really funny how you see those parallels between, like, him and, you know, Shara and stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, even even when they do the final ultimate battle, I mean, there's still parallels to, to Shara Aznoble, because the setting is very much like the one-year war, and very much like, you know, his, his you know, Shara and Garma and that kind of vibe to it. So, yeah, there's there's parallels to it all over the place. So, kind of like what you alluded to before, Tony, they're focusing on Isla and Reiji as they kind of scarf down their, their desserts and everything, and that's when, you know, Kosaka and Sai are saying, like, these guys are 
they're kind of alike. Like they kind of they're kind of doing the same stuff, you know. And then they hear this kind of moan and cry, and who should it be behind their booth but a disheartened Mao? Who, uh, you know, at first I kind of thought I was like, did he get stood up? Like that's what I was thinking. I thought maybe he got stood up for the date, you know. But he goes into his little tale of woe, and he, he basically he's like, I did go on the date, but it was kind of like he tried to get a home run before he even got to first base. You <laughs> like know? I did because, go on the date. I did try sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I did go on a date. He just basically he's like Misaki, and then he like leaps at her kind of anime style, and and has his lips all puckered up, and she slaps the crap out of him, and she's like, I'm a good girl. I don't I don't go to you know, fourth base on the first date or whatever, you know? He didn't even so. get plate, poor guy. He he got he got yeah. tar smacked out so, of him. Yeah, so he, he, he didn't get shot down, but he certainly got slapped down, so, you know, and, uh, you he know, got, Ray, he, got, kinda, he got ejected from the game. Yeah, yeah, he got ejected from the game. He's he's kind of sad. Reiji basically is saying, well, it's, it's you know, you, you shouldn't have been so forward, you know, that's kind of your own fault. You know, and they're they're kind of bickering back and forth and, and, and having their own little conversation and everything. But it's interesting because at that point the focus kind of shifts to Isla because it, it kind of looks like she's actually enjoying this. You know, she's kind of enjoying the sense of normalcy, you know, and, and almost like she's she's kind of found some, some new friends, you know, in a way. Like she's she's kind of pleased to be a part of this kind of mundane, you know, just activity, you know, it's like, oh, they're kids and they're being kids, you know, which you, you would assume based on her backstory of what we've seen of her so far, she probably doesn't really get much of a chance to be a kid and enjoy herself. And that's why she, she gets so excited over things like the food and the cuisine and whatever she gets to do in her own time. And that's how you, that's why like when, uh, Dulara went out, it wasn't that big of a deal because not only was he not a main character, but he really honestly didn't mean anything to, to say or Reiji. He never interacted with him really. He never had any kind of like, you know, good job kids. You know, I respect you. It's like, if you, if you're like, if you're a part of like saying Reiji's like unit, even in like passing, you're going to be on the show for a while. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, they, they did kind of have their, their, you know, mutual respect match. But, you know, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. He's not really, he was never really part of their inner circle, whereas, you know, Isla at this moment clearly is, along with Mao, you know. So, yeah. you know, that's that's what's going on and with that. They, they already have, like, an older mentor type, like, or two of them with, like, Fellini and even Mr. Rawl. So, yeah. you know, Dolara yeah, so. doesn't compete with them. So No, no, not at all. We got all the old guys we need. Will you just kind of move along, please? <laughs> Yeah, and I guess that's a good point because you know, as they as they cut to the opening day of the match, you know, basically Sai and Reiji show up and they're kind of like, "Hey, where's Fellini?" And Sai's kind of like, "He said he's not showing up. He's gonna watch. He's gonna watch the instant replay. Like he's like, I, he thinks the Majin has this covered." And you know, Reiji's kind of like, "Yeah, I, I kind of think Fellini's right." You know, and then Reiji is wondering where Mao has gone, and in the meantime. Mr. Rawl is also kind of disappointed that Hot Mama, Miss Rinko Laurie, isn't attending the match, which basically, that, that's kind of motherly as well, in a way. It's like she only has interest in the Gunpla matches when her son is involved in them. Or, you know, one would assume maybe back in the day, 
you know, when her husband was involved in them. But but that's very that's that is a motherly in a way, you know, it's it's like she's she's there for her son, not for the gunpla, you know. This is kind of interesting, though, because like, remember when we were talking about when Reiji and Sai had their first match, and it was against, not really Fellini, but against Mao. It's like, you know he's going to beat Mao, because he's, he's got to move ahead, and there wasn't really any kind of... It was a good fight, it was a good episode, but you knew the stakes were kind of low, because you knew that they were going to win. The way they've been kind of building this up, they've been kind of doing little false leads, like, you know... Like, but wait, maybe Majin Kawaguchi's going to lose because we've been putting all these, like, false things like, oh, no one's watching the match. No one believes Renatos can do this, that kind of stuff. So, basically, they're, they're just, babe, you know, in pimping up the Majin so much, having all these pertinent characters say he's a sure win in some ways that's actually making him a little bit of an underdog in your eyes because everyone's so, so convinced that that, that is the, the ultimate outcome. Yeah, yeah. It's like it seems like it's too easy to call that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that. What What about you, Mike? Did you Did you have that train of thought, or, or were you thinking something else in terms of? I, you know, I like I I I I'm like so genre savvy, I guess that like I I feel like I I went even one step further where it's like you think he's gonna win, but the 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 commentary is making you believe he might lose, but. Uh, on the like going all the way around, but that's a he match. probably he, yeah he has to yeah he's a he's he's the char he has to win so it's like yeah it's yeah. a it's a mask he really is gonna win yeah. see and that that's why this episode is the prep time episode it is the chess mask episode because just like that like that's how the fight in this episode works you know it, it's very much like that it's it's a plan within a plan within a plan it's it's all this. Batman Doom prep time fucking bullshit you know that's going on and stuff and it, it it's interesting I mean it's 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 a very good fight but it's it's very different from I think most of the fights we've seen you know because some of them have been brutal some of them have been you know head on you know and and there've been some where there's been strategy involved but I think I think this is high you know, in, in the strategy, you know, so, so we begin the quarterfinals match. So I know your favorite mobile suit obviously is, is, or one of your favorite mobile suits, Tony, is the Camper Amazing. And that's what the Majin is using. And then like you mentioned too, Tony, he's up against the GM Sniper, which, you know, ultimately is not, not one of the suits that you would normally consider a big powerhouse. Yeah, it's like a cannon, cannon fodder, like, you know, suit, like, you know, like any, any GM, like, you know, mobile suit, like the, 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 uh, regular types, like, you know, the, the guys who always get shot in the first episode and you never see them again, that, that kind of Yeah, thing. there is a cannon fodder suit, yeah. Basically, some of the in-jokes or the Easter eggs is that it is a reference to War in the Pocket, kind of, in the sense that you've got a camphor amazing, you know, you've got a camphor, which was a suit featured in War in the Pocket, up against the GM, which the camphor fought a great deal of GMs in War in the Pocket. So there is that aspect to this match. Can you fix it? Of course. And be able to beat the Gundam? Piece of cake. Yes! Majin Kawaguchi is basically shooting down all the possible sniper points in the arena. There's all these very tall buildings in this kind of, I'd say, OG 
a you know mobile suit Gundam arena, which basically is kind of reminiscent of uh, you know arenas that, like I said, Garma or Garma and uh, Char. Actually, due to a building that's shown later on, I think it's actually the city they're in right now. If it was destroyed, okay. <laughs> when you when you get to the scene, I'll, I'll reference why that is. Okay. And so, basically, he's shooting down all those buildings so that he doesn't have any points to snipe from. And in case you couldn't actually figure out these tactics on your lonesome, they've got Kosaka China basically sitting there going, Mr. Rawls, what is he shooting at? You know, and Mr. Rawls like, well, little girl, you know, he's, he's trying to get rid of all the high vantage points so he can't, he can't get sniped. I was, I was staring at life for some reason, like, Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, because in, in, the, in the notes on the wiki, basically they're saying that that ruined city is the one from Garma's Fate, that episode. So that's, that, you know, it basically as a nod to that episode of the original Mobile Suit Gundam, because the, the, the place where the Camphor Amazing hides, it's kind of like the scene where, oh, where White, the White Base, base yeah. you know, hides out and everything. That's what that's supposed to be a, a reference to and everything. But you said you were going to add something to that as well, Tony? Since I was wrong, I was going to go ahead and say it now. It looks like they go to the Gundam Gunpla Coliseum at the end and it's like destroyed. That's why I thought it was the same city, but obviously I was wrong if that's what it says on the wiki page. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. That thing directly in front of us, it looks like some kind of sports stadium, doesn't it? Yes, I see it here. All right, let's try to conceal White Base inside it. It should just fit. What did you guys think of the one one forty fourth soldiers like planting bombs and stuff? Like, I, I kind of thought that was funny, but I guess it's kind of the complete opposite of the the mega sized Zaku or whatever. But you've got all these little tiny soldiers like planting bombs and stuff. I th- I thought that was pretty clever. Like, I, I was like, a, I don't see why that wouldn't like be like in the rules. Like, if you can, you know, use the same scale like like accessory basically. Like, cause the, the basic, the standard model seems to be like one forty four scale. Yeah, did that bug you or? I don't like. I guess it's it's in the rules. I guess like it seems like the standard scale model they use is, are, is like the one forty four scale. So I guess those soldiers count as accessories in that scale. So I mean, hey, I thought it was oh. kind of clever. I figured, you know, the the 144 scale or whatever they call it is like the standard scale for like those models. So I guess it, it, it's it's kind of fair. I guess it's not like a mega size Zaku like situation where you know it's a different scale. Like it it seemed to make sense to me. Like I thought it was kind of clever. I guess. Yeah. What did What did you think of the the whole commentary by Mister Rawl where? He basically notes, you know, because the, they're basically setting bombs all over the camp for amazing, like, that Mr. Rawls basically like, what they are playing is not Gunpla Battle. I guess, like, instead of, like, a head-on-head confrontation, they were, like, resorting to, like, sabotage and, like, dishonorable tactics or whatever. And I, I guess. Like, I mean, it, it's to me, it seemed like, like what I was saying, like, this kind of chess match and prep time and you know, how they, they reveal what their their tactics are. I mean, once you know what they're doing, you know, I mean, 
I guess the bomb tactics are supposed to be based on, you know, Xeon tactics from the one-year war. So given that this is gunpla battle and it's serious business, if if using 144th soldiers isn't against the rule book, I wouldn't imagine using tactics from the fictional work of Gundam would be out of the realm of, you know, yeah. I, I don't know why that wouldn't be considered valid or whatever. Yeah. Although you gotta you gotta wonder how how very small those bombs must be if those figures themselves <laughs> are like probably the size of like your fingertip or something. It's like if you if you get the the plastic pops that are in packing materials, like is that like an explosion in gunpla? Like when you pop <laughs> one guess, of those or whatever? I guess so, yeah. yeah. Well I mean like, you know, he also used the hound unit that was his backpack and you know, that seemed to be okay, and I'm like, well, if, you know, say so I can use a booster jetpack that turns into, like, you know, a, a gun unit for his his Gundam, why can't he use the little plastic soldiers? I mean, you know, is it is it, like, Klingon honorable? Probably not, but is it against the rules? No, so, you know, why are you bitching, dude, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, it, it's always odd to me, like, especially, like, even back when we had the Ricardo Fellini Revenge Squad, and I'm like, he's got a whole goddamn air hanger, like, you know, it's like, wow, like, it's like, it, it's just to me, like, it's kind of funny where it's like, well, I got 500 Zeong suits, it's in the rule book, I can use all 500, you know, and it's just like, wow, okay, dude. Like, you know, like, it, 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 you just wonder, like, where it ends or begins or whatever, like, sort of, you know. We, yeah. we should know, even though he had the unfair advantage, according to Mr. Rawl, Majin Kawaguchi still manages to be a badass. He he is. He's he's very, well, and, and the, the prep time in it, you know, you, you know what's going on because there's all these different chess match moves, and even though he's trying to use all these explosives that he planted, and they basically say, like, this is probably how Luang Delara lost, that, that he just didn't see these soldiers planting all the bombs on his joints. You know, they had seen that video, and they had the foresight to put a bunch of grease, the prep time grease, on the joints, which somehow is the counter to him trying to, you know, set all this stuff, you know, all these explosions and everything, and that, that basically protects his his gunpla for the, the duration of the match. You know, the Renato brothers bust out what they're calling the exam system, where the GM gets this big kind of red glare on the eyepiece and everything, and, you know, even then, like, you know, even though the Majin's being a badass, like, they're not holding back, just like they said they were not going to hold back. I mean, he he basically says, you know, we're at war, you know, like, so, and, and, and he's, you know, going to complete, you know, exterminating the enemy, basically, is what's going on with the Renato brothers. But even, even when he's sitting there, like, all, it looks like he's basically going to lose. I mean, at this point, even Reiji, who was like, yeah, Fellini's right, he's, he's totally got this in the bag. You know, at this point, like, it looks like he's on the floor, and he's just not going to get up, and all this other stuff. But then that's when we hear the round of two Desperado music cue. <laughs> 
you know, and, and we know things are going to get fucking super cool all of a sudden. And, you know, to me, I was like, I, I almost thought it was going to be like super mega prep time, but I didn't realize it was like, I think it was more honorable for the Majin in this case, because he led him back to where his weapon cache was dropped. So, like, it's almost like he... It's not like he planted this, like, way, way in advance of the match, kind of like the Renato brothers were doing for everything. It's like he actually led the stupid fuck back to the place where he dropped his weapons cache, and he just... The Renato brothers just didn't take that into account, like, in their master plan or whatever. And so, you know, at this point, when he, he has the, the weapons cache, he just busts out his Gatling gun, you know, that fits on uh, all sizes of Jonah Hex horse, and he just mows down the, the GM and everything. And, and then this is also kind of like a bizarro nod to War in the Pocket. You know, it's like the camper actually takes out the GM as opposed to, like, the Alex taking out the camper or whatever, but it's... it's Swiss cheesing it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of the same thing, but in reverse or whatever, you know. I, I would like to bring up one thing that I thought was more contentious than little mobile figures and, you know, having a little scout dog. Okay, I'm just going to put this out there. These are still models. They're little toys. And you can build all kinds of cool things for them, like, you know, little figures and, you know, a backpack that turns into a, you know, robot. That's fine. I understand that. I can see how that could be achieved. But... I'm thinking that all he did to have the exam system was put an LED light in the head. So he's just role-playing. Like, I have a, I, I have the exam system now. And, like, you know, why doesn't, like, you know, just, just like, why didn't, like, Calgary just be like, I'm a new type now. I'm telepathic. So <laughs> I was, I was, I was kind of thinking that, like, how does that work exactly? Like, if, if your suit does not have the ability that, that that suit originally had in the anime, then how does that work? Like, yeah, like, like even a... even say is kind of like, is that like, is that Trans Am? And I was like, well, how could it be Trans Am? It's not a double O suit. But then, yeah. Like, what yeah. the exam system, is that the Blue Destiny, Derek? Or? Yeah, I think that's what it is. So it's like, it's like supposed to be like the awesome mega mode for Blue Destiny, but then you're like, well, wait a minute, like, is that, I, I don't know, like, if you can do it, is it just supposed to be like, you're just supposed to accept the magic magic of the Plofsky particles as being responsible for any kind of aberration like not non-physical, uh, uh, you know, sort of contortion of of the abilities like i don't I, yeah i don't know how that or, works like it would be like giving like some other suit other than like epion and wing zero like a zero system or something yeah yeah and you're just That's like well, how does that yeah it's like this is my suit so i i'm just going to say it has exam uh because why well, not because it's a cool system giving them, like, a hyper mode from G Gundam, like, like, how does that work exactly? But. Well, but, but, see, that, that's kind of, that's kind of my question is, like, how, where does it end and where does it stop? Because, like, you say, okay, well, the 144th soldiers are fine, right? Well, what if you have 10 billion of them? Well, <laughs> at least they're actually physically, if you actually physically have them, that's okay. If you put so them you're on saying, the, you're they, saying as long as he physically constructs them, they're okay, but, 
if he physically, like, I, I know what you're saying. You're just saying it's an LED light in a GM. But, like, just say for argument's sake, he physically, wh- wh- whatever the rule book is on Trans Am and Exam and all these things. System, yeah. <laughs> you like, say he, you know, he got his box of, you know, cotton swabs or whatever and built <laughs> built the exam out of, you know, matchbooks or what, whatever they do in Gunpla, you know, like, okay, so he's built it, right? Like, so he's got it. Like, I mean, I, I'm just trying to, you know, I know, I know we're getting all deep into this. Like, I don't understand the science of it, but say physically it's, it's, it's put in the suit. Then, then what's wrong with it? Like legally if, or technically, if you could do it, I would be okay with it. I'm just saying like, you know, it doesn't seem possible. Now, when he said a million Zeon troopers, yeah, I agree with that. There's no way you could put that many on the base. But, like, he had, like, four or five. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, no, I, I'm just I, – I'm basically escalating <laughs> it just to prove no, – uh, no. You know. no, I know what you're saying. I, I, I'm just – now I'm just thinking of, like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna put a ball into, like, my, my mobile suit <laughs> fight, but – but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the ball I'm gonna give the ball like the moonlight butterfly. So like, <laughs> I'm, like, like so. I'm like my my ball is actually a T sphere in disguise and he's gonna blue cupcake your ass out of the fucking match. Like, that's how it's gonna go down. I, I, I guess at the end of the day, it, it is fun to talk about it because you know, like you know, obviously Mike thought the same thing. It's like how does that work? But I guess you just have to go for a suspension of disbelief, you know. I mean, I would imagine Plofsky particles are the catch-all answer. It's like it's like because a wizard did it, you know. It's like because <laughs> the Plofsky particles did it, you know. Like I guess that's that's the catch-all answer, right? Like like, but I I agree with you guys. Like I don't know how that technically works. Like or or even if if it's within the rule book to swap those those power sets from you know suit to suit. Like how that if that's Obviously, it must be legal because they did it, right? Like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And I guess like like the 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 blue destiny is basically a GM too, isn't it? So like, yeah, that's not yeah, too much it, of a it, it sort of it sort of fits within that that suit itself. I mean, he he isn't the blue destiny, but the blue destiny is is a GM technically, like so. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it, it's definitely it's debatable. I mean, it's something that does kind of raise questions, but. You know, it's like it, it, it's also one of those things. I think maybe maybe I'm giving the writers too much credit. Maybe I am, but maybe it's one of those things they put in there just for people to kind of discuss. Like that would never happen. You know, like you well, know, you know, I mean, I, it's not quite as far fetched to say if the camphor amazing had like a burning finger or the moonlight butterfly, kind of <laughs> like what Mike's yeah. saying. Like that's that m- must be on a different level than you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, just, just I think it maybe meant to spark fun debate and not, you know, actually enrage anybody. Because I'm not mad about it. I mean, no, 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 no. It, it, this is interesting, like to think about. Just, just to to put a cap on how the episode wraps up. You know, as as Mike mentioned in his opening quote, we have Majin Kawaguchi put a cap on the whole argument, I guess, because he is the victor and he declares that this is not war. And that this is gunpla battle right before he takes out the Renato brothers, which to me, again, just emphasizes what serious business gunpla battle obviously is in this world. <laughs> if it's somehow it's like if it is prioritized over war, you know, like it's like gunpla battle is more important 
than war, basically. <laughs> like, your son's in jail for, like, killing 20 people. I can't help it, honey. I've got a gunpla battle in 20 minutes. <laughs> gunpla battle. It's like, it's like, okay. You know, so that, I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but in terms of this universe, that's, that seems to be the way they're, they're going with it. Nothing more important. But yeah, 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 he kicks his ass. I I'm, I'm don't know about you, Derek, or you, Mike, but I kind of have this little sinking feeling, especially with Mal coming back. This isn't the last we've seen of the Renato brothers. Okay, okay. I mean, they can't compete anymore, but, but maybe, like, in terms of, of what we see in the after credits, I mean, you know, even though the Majins won, like, he considers all the damage that's been done to his suit as as kind of a, a failure in a way. Like, he's like, I shouldn't have let this suit get this beat up during the match and everything. And, you know, the episode ends with Sai and Reiji resolving to sort of attain the same level of, of skill and, and commitment that they saw in this match with the Majin. But in the after credits scene, we, we do see that it looks like Miss Baker has some nefarious scheme that's still going on for the chairman, and, and she seems pretty confident that Sai and Reiji's next opponent, early genius, a.k.a. Samurai Boy, is, is going to win. So we, we don't know why she's so sure that that's the case, but obviously I imagine there's some kind of nefarious stuff going on, and who knows, you know, maybe the Renato brothers could play a part in those those yeah, that's what I was, I was thinking. Yeah. Actions. Thinking they may they may do something like you know Agent C, where like they're they're you know hiding somewhere and doing some duplicitous shit, you know that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, that I can see that. Yeah, definitely. I will remain quiet since I already know the answer to that. Okay, okay, <laughs> no problem, no worries. All right, yeah, I can... so I mean, I guess that's pretty much it. Unless, unless, Mike, you, do you have any final thoughts on on how the match played out or or what you thought of the episode in general? Oh, I, I was just going to say, I mean, Fellini's brought my favorite character on the show, but I'd say, like, like Yuki or Majin Kawaguchi is probably up there, too, just because he's, like, you know, the cool enemy ace, and he gets a lot of cool, like, char-like, dram- over-dramatic lines, almost, where, you know, when, I, when it looks like he's about to lose, where he's like, everyone has a destiny, Alan, you know? A drama without a script, and and this is inevitable. And then you know, and then he goes on and like kicks ass and stuff. Yeah, and I also like when like he beat the 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 the, uh, the Zeon soldiers. He got rid of the bombs, and he's like, "Is the magic over?" Like you guys, yeah, that was that was a good done. line. Yeah, yeah. Is, like, is all this is all the bullshit wrapped up? Can we can we fight now? Like yeah. So like he's yeah. So he he's he was pretty cool throughout this episode, and I'm glad like he's I'm glad he's not like a dick or something, and like Yuki and I mean uh, Sai and Reiji are, like, cool with him, and they're, like, they have a mutual respect with him, so. Yeah, yeah. There was, like, a little bit of a, I don't know if it was an Easter egg, but I guess a little bit of a callback. Like, early on in one of the fights, I think it was, it might have been against Majin, or it might have been against Dulara, I can't remember. One of the Renatos said something to the other, and the other one goes, Roger that, and Hiro Yui is very famous for saying that all the time. Wait, zero. Locked onto the target. Another Gundam confirmed, sir. It's in the sky. What? Mr. Daycam, we're online with one of the Gundam pilots. Hero. Let me confirm. 
Your shelter shield is activated. What are you planning? Your shelter is secure, is it? Of course it is. See for yourself just how powerless you are. Roger that. <gasps> Roger that. <laughs> hey, as long as they don't blow themselves up in tank tops, I think we're we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a good episode. I, I I enjoyed it a lot. The the I'm actually with you, Mike. Even though I like the camper anyway, Major Kawaguchi is definitely growing on me. I, I do. He, he reminds me of a Yu-Gi-Oh villain for some reason. <laughs> you wanted a rematch, Shoto Kaiba. You've got one. And this time, things are going to end differently, you pompous windbag. And I know he's not actually a bad guy, but it, it, that's what he reminds me of. <laughs> he, he is kind of like Kaiba, almost. Where yeah, that's, like, I, I was kind of thinking that. I wanted, when, when Tony said that, I wanted to be like Kaiba or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Kaiba Kawaguchi, yeah. It's like, I spent millions of dollars enhancing this children's game, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, PTSC yeah, has spent millions of dollars, yeah. Maybe that's what it is. They, they both take a, a kid's game so seriously. Maybe that's why I see the similarity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I, I guess that wraps up our discussion on the 18th episode of Gundam Build Fighters. We're very happy that you decided to listen to our Mobile Suit Mondays broadcast. You can send us any questions, comments, concerns, or feedback at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. If you send us an email, we'll be sure to read it on air. We are on Facebook, and of course we appreciate all the likes that we get on this show or any of our other spinoff shows, such as Transformers, Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, and Sentai Saturdays. We are on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Tumblr, Twitter, so please continue to check us out and listen. And until the next time, this is not war, but gunpla battle, and it's serious business. Hey, it's Mike, and I got nothing. And this is Tony, and... Is our war truly over? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Ron Baral was really sad that Rinko wasn't there, but I'm kind of like, <laughs> she's married, dude. She's married. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he has to understand that, like, just because her husband's not around doesn't mean he's going to be able to tap that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, I, if it's just like, if he's just disappointed, like, that he doesn't have something nice to look at over the next few rounds, like, okay, fine. But 
I'm kind of like, it seemed like there was a little more to that. And I'm like, come on, man. Come on, Mr. Ralph. What's up? Chill out, dude. Like, well, up? I swear to God, I'm going to end the universe with my ball. It's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, Mr. Rawl came to a, a sweaty, oversexed housewife and forgot that she was married. And then he leaps off the thing and blows himself up. <laughs> As you tend to do. Oh, man. Next episode should be really interesting. Well, we know who's going to win. <laughs> Game over. The series ends. Ragey and Say walk away. <laughs> and early genius is like, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Nobody knew that the actual show is actually about, like, uh, uh, the early genius boy samurai... Solid Snake Batman. Nobody knew. <laughs> Nobody. They had no idea. Well, they they do do their darndest to make it seem like Ragey and Sai are going to lose. But, yeah, it's really kind of... From this point on, it's really not much of a... You know, it's not a question of whether they're going to win or lose anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just a matter of, like, you know, what hardships they have to overcome and how entertaining it's going to be, you know? So. And, and does Miss Rinko-Lurie get back in a bathing suit again? I don't know if my my uh, pants can handle that. Um, <laughs> too much sexy. Oh, sexy. On the other hand, China can stay out of a bathing suit as much as she wants. That's fine. Yeah, I I, oh, I, I want to stay out of jail for as long as possible. 